Yahweh, Abba, Father, I pray that the sharing of this word, my brothers and sisters, to your knowledge, your wisdom, your teaching, for your glory, Father God. Thank you, Father, for this time. Thank you for the sharing. Thank you for this platform. Thank you for so much, Father. It is by your knowledge and your wisdom, your understanding, and your blessing, Father, that I am able to bless as it is. And with the prayer of Shabbat that I offer to you, Father, that you bless me so that I can bless others. And never forget to remind them that the blessings come from you when they thank me, Father God, to remind them that I am only a conduit, that I'm only a pipeline for the blessings from you through me to them, Father. Yahweh, Amen. Yahshua, Amen. Barakitos, Amen. Brothers and sisters, so I'm going to touch on something here now that's, um, you know, might seem kind of odd, but um, based on the circumstances that are going on around us, I think depression is a pretty good thing to, to touch on and, and keep in mind some things here that uh, fear is the root of depression. Fear is that thing that, that gets in for whatever reason. And, and you have to remember, too, keep in mind that fear is a liar, and it's a tool that Satan is using. That's one of his pseudonyms is fear, and that it's something that he uses to cause discouragement. And that there are those that are gripped by depression, and it's not a cyclic wave as our lives do go through ups and downs and things like that. And, and there are individuals that are absolutely gripped by depression, that they their lives are basically a flat line in the bottom of that. They're in the trough. They don't seem to be able to get up into uh, onto the peaks of the hills. They're in the realm of that, uh, that line of sadness, anxiety, and fear. And fear just grips. They, they don't want it. Some people have that so much so that they, they won't even go outside. And hold on to this truth that, that fear is a liar. And depression is nothing new. Uh, in fact, that there's a lot that we believe only happens to us in this time and that it couldn't possibly have, have happened then. So how is anything going to be? relevant to us that trust me in this that every single thing in the word of god the bible is relevant today it is the same yesterday today and as it will always be the word was god from the beginning and the bible tells us that and the word was with god and the word became flesh and manifested itself in jesus christ who came to sacrifice for us so nothing that's happening now in this era is anything that didn't happen in biblical times. The only difference is all the technology that abounds. And, and so therefore, in our mind's eye, we think, how can this possibly be relevant? Well, that's the problem. It's in our mind's eye. And the knowledge and the wisdom and God's thoughts and his ways are so much higher than ours. When we get caught up in what we think and what we believe, and we tend to ignore what's in the Bible, 
we tend to lose that. And here's something I'm, I'm so apologetic in, in my heart that I have forgot this, truly apologetic in this. The Bible also tells us to do this, and I did not invite you to do so. Try the Spirit. We are told to try the Spirit, that we ask the Holy Spirit for guidance and leading. And if you think that anything that I'm saying is not truthful or that the Holy Spirit tells you that you shouldn't be here listening to me, by all means, don't. I have no problem with that whatsoever because I know that the Holy Spirit has led me to this platform, this ability, and in my prayers to be able to do this. And we are to try the Spirit. And I've, I've done that before, brothers and sisters. I was in a church. There were no scriptures coming from the podium. There were no scriptures being shared from the podium at all. It was total anecdotal and totally all about the, the, the alleged pastor. It was totally from this person and nothing based on the scripture. And I prayed before I stepped across that threshold of that door to go in there for the Holy Spirit to lead me in this. I was sitting down and, and off it went. And I heard this voice in my ear and in my head. I mean, it was almost like a person sitting right next to me. Let's go. It's time to leave. And I closed my Bible. Didn't cause a big old scene. I just quietly excused myself, walked out the door, kept on walking, and went to my vehicle and left. I did not belong there, and the Holy Spirit knew that I did not belong there because the teachings were false. They were not evidentiary through biblical scriptures. It was totally about this person, all about what they had done, okay? This is not what I want to do. Yeah, I'll get a little anecdotal, and I'll share something that might have happened in my life, but try the spirit. Try the spirit of my truth. My iron is to sharpen your iron, to encourage, to exhort you, to uplift you, and give you word that you could go check. You can check anything that I say in the scriptures and you will see it is truth. So anyway, I apologize for failing to do that from the beginning. And as I'm saying that, that uh, fear is a liar and fear gets us to believe that what is happening can only be happening to us and that it doesn't happen to anybody else. And that's not true. And throughout the Bible, you look at it and it does. So addressing depression and its darkness, that is a relevant issue with, with many people. And it's happening so much today. I mean, they look around, they see the politics, health issues, economic stress, Man, it is so dark in this world, it can be. But we have to chase after the light. We have to seek the light. Seek the light of truth. Seek the light of, of Jesus Christ and God's knowledge and his wisdom. And depression in the dictionary is defined as low spirits, gloomy feelings, dejection, and utter sadness. And it's marked by feelings of worthlessness, failure, and looming guilt. Wow, does that not sound like what is going on now? <laughs> yeah. The Bible has 
a really large relation of uh, it relates to those things that happen to people that, that suffered from depression. David, in his Psalm 32, 3 and 4, spoke to that very thing. He spoke to depression and how he had let his bones just dry up and, and it affected him so much that his mouth dried up. It became like everything in his body just started to dry up. It became like a, a drought in summertime. And it's very gripping to some people. So, but what he also related was not praising God. And he relates that his mouth became dry in verse four. For day and night, thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. Verse 11, Psalm 32. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, ye righteous. And shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. I encourage you, brothers and sisters, to be not fearful. Be encouraged. Be of strong courage. I mean, as I shared before, through the Bible, there are places where God tells us to be of strong courage, be of good courage, to be upright, to not be afraid that he's with us all the time. And the enemy's deal is to attack our minds and our thoughts. Probably the most poignant relationship of depression in the Bible would have to be Job. There might be some that know of the story of Job or who do not go to the Bible. Look in the book of Job and see what this man went through. This man was related in the book that he was very wealthy. He was the wealthiest man in the east in the land of Uz which is where he lived. And in those days, their culture, it wasn't so much monetary. This man had properties. He had livestock. And he had a good family life. His life was full. His children, in, in that culture in that day and time too, is women were not always included with things until a special event or a special occasion, you know, the Passover, things like that. But his family was upright, they were strong, and he worshiped God. He prayed over his children regularly, and his sisters attended dinners and meals almost nightly with their brothers. They were invited, their families, and, and if they weren't with family, then they just came and they were invited and they shared. All of these things that Job had. But then we read in Job one thirteen through 21, Job was having a dinner on his own and a messenger burst in one after the other before the previous was even finished. The next one related to the losses of Job. His family, his livestock, the attacks from neighboring uh, peoples that came in, they, they came in and they slaughtered his servants. They took his livestock and then his children, everything lost, everything gone, everything that Job had in his life was gone. And Job did not curse God or speak fault to God. Then Satan tried to infiltrate his mind. And even Job's wife, who abandoned him in the midst of all this, 
they tried to get him to curse God and just take his own life. Job would not do that thing. He rebuked all of that. He cursed his life events, but he would not curse God. He didn't blame God for these things. He knew that things that go on in our lives are things that happen around us, but he would not curse God and he did not blame us. And the thing of it is, too, is that questioning God is not something that God looks on us with, with a scowl or he doesn't agree. We can question God. God doesn't mind if we ask him why. He's not going to punish her for asking why. He just doesn't want us to speak and curse him. Asking him why these things happen, they can. Job 20 or Job 3, 20 through 21, he lamented his continuation of life with everything that seemed that he lost from his life. And he asked God why. He asked him. But here's the thing that we have to remember in asking why. Don't ever think that God owes us an answer. He doesn't owe us an answer. His thoughts are much higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. The Bible tells us that very thing. God does not owe us anything whatsoever. Yet we owe him so much. Jesus Christ stepped off his throne, set down his crown and came here. The only thing that God asks us back is that we have belief that Jesus Christ did come to do that and we have faith. How minimal is that? How minimal is that? Job 13, 14, and 15 talks about uh, and is taking his, his own life. And wherefore do I take my flesh and my teeth and put my life in mine hand? Though he slay me, yet I will trust him. But I will maintain mine own ways before him. Job continued in faith. He would not take his own life. He didn't have that authority. It was not his to take, although there are those that think that it is, and they believe that. They believe that's the only way out. I'm going to interject something right here at this time because there are many that don't even know this about me. There was actually a time in my depression, I had, I still do have PTSDs um, that come and, and uh, however I know, and I was given a vision of my, my angel that protects the bridge that the demons attempt to cross over and are not allowed. So, my depression took me to a point when I drove commercially, I drove, uh, I drove 18 wheelers and I drove all over the country, border to border, coast to coast, all over the place. And at one occasion I had an opportunity, I was going across the Oakland Bay Bridge and the thought had come as it had a number of times. I wasn't seeing my children and, uh, you know, I didn't have any any way to get anywhere and I was gone and I was being blamed for everything that I was doing and those that that cast their finger at me and said well you this you that and you this and you that oh the thought process had come into my mind that you know if I just 18 wheeler man I can go through the guardrail of this bridge so easy that it's not even going to hold up all I have to do is downshift check the traffic and cross those lanes and right through the 
guardrail, I will go. And then about three or 400 feet down to the ocean, I'd be done for sure. And the contemplation was there. But see, that was the enemy talking. That was the devil getting in my head to take what was not mine. However, another voice came into my head, came into my ear and spoke. And I actually turned and looked over my shoulder because it sounded like somebody was in the truck. They were in the tractor with me as I'm going down the road. The voice said, what about your grandchildren? Now, the point of interest to that is that neither of my sons were, they hadn't even reached their teens yet for crying out loud. They were, they weren't, I, I can't remember exactly their age, but they, they were not even of that age where their pubescent hormones were going to start flipping out and going crazy. They weren't old enough, but that voice spoke to me and said, what about your grandchildren? And those thoughts didn't come back to my mind about driving over the guardrail or taking my life. They didn't come back. What, what flooded my heart, my mind was grandchildren. Oh my gosh. Continued blessings. I have amazing grandchildren. I have one who is sanctified of God. My youngest son and his wife, there were some things that were going on that were, that were, um, you know, I'm not going to get into detail or share, but it was difficult for her to carry. And then they didn't want to share with me until knowing for sure that she was carrying a baby girl. This baby girl is a miracle child. Her name is Elizabeth Lauren. The name Elizabeth means consecrated and sanctified of God. My grandchild. So the Holy Spirit spoke to me and told me, what about your grandchildren? This child is so beautiful. She is a beautiful little girl. My children, my grandchildren are all growing up. I have one that's Oh, gosh, man, it makes me feel old. But at any rate, I share that with you to let you know that there are places to go. Depression can can come from situations. Okay, and, and depression is real. And not a physician, but I'm trying to just tell you as a follower of God and believer in the word that in my response to depression it's a very real event, and my response will be somewhat generalized because I'm not a physician. It can come from situations that are outside that we don't know what to do or how to deal with them. Seek a good counselor, preferably somebody that's knowledgeable in the Word of God. Pray and seek the love of those close. Don't shut down. Don't shut off and don't shut out which is what I was so guilty of. I wouldn't share things with anybody. I felt ashamed. I felt embarrassed. I felt that nobody else would understand. And this is part of the thing with PTSDs. Nobody gets it. 
And many times, even in the beginning and earlier part, I couldn't share with anybody except other military people, other people that had been where I had been. Because if you don't know, you don't know. There's nothing that you could share with me or try, you know, you could try, but you have no idea. And holding people in your arms and watching them and looking in their face and watching them die. If you haven't done that, how are you going to be able to counsel? You can't. So I wasn't always able to get to that point. So I started shutting off, shutting down and shutting out. I destroyed something so beautiful because of that. So look for counseling. Don't shut off, don't shut down, and don't shut those out. Look for those that really love you and just tell them, share with them, and, and those that you trust, okay? Um, and I borrowed uh, this phrase from one of my teachers, and uh, <laughs> it's, it's kind of very much there. Our bodies and our souls live so close together they often catch each other's diseases. And to clarify that, and that sometimes not feeling very well physically, it has its, um, it's really hard to feel well spiritually. You don't feel like reading the Bible. You don't feel like praying. You don't feel like going to church. You know, so it's difficult when you're physically not feeling well. And that could just drag you down emotionally. Um, Go to the word anyway. Put forth the effort. And sometimes we get held up and we need to evacuate from our comfort zone. We get to feeling comfortable, then we don't ever want to leave. You don't want to do anything. You don't want to go out and put the effort out to do it. So sometimes we have to do that. Okay? Seek the help of a good physician that will not only hear you, that hears you and not just prescribe. There are those physicians out there, that's all they do is they just sit there and you can almost, they don't think you're watching them, but if you pay attention to these quacks, they'll sometimes just sit there and they're nodding their head, like pretending they're listening, and then they're just writing the whole time. And then they just tear it off without even looking at you, without even being intimate, without even being personal. They just hand it and sort of backhand the prescription to you and, you know, you can pick this up at blah, blah, blah. And off you go. That's all they're about, prescribing medication. Medications don't address anything but symptoms in most cases. So look for a good physician that will, that will hear you, will listen to you, interact with you, pay attention to what you're sharing. Look for that. And they are out there. I, I found a couple. They're, they're out there. And also depression comes from the attacks from the enemy that will test our mindset. Remember, we're not promised perfection in life as a Christian. And Satan will, he doesn't have the authority to take anything from it physically and all that, but he's going to put those thoughts in our mind and cause us to misinterpret things that are going on and saying uh, that, oh, look at this. God's not listening anymore. God doesn't care about your prayers. God, God this and God that and his lies will continue to go in our mindset. We have to be of a strong mind. That's also in the Bible. It tells us to be that. Um, I think I shared that with you uh, previously. In Timothy, 
Oh, goodness gracious. Now I forgot where it's at. And I'm going to flip through my Bible. And I told you I wouldn't do that. So you hear the pages going because the uh, pickup on this is very good. But it's in the Bible where God did not give us a spirit of fear. But he gave us of power and authority. And that we have that. And that is ours to hold on to. And we have to be of a sound mind. He also reminds us to that. I'm sorry, brothers and sisters. Um, oh, goodness, now I can't remember where it's at. <laughs> I apologize. I will share that another time. Uh, ah, here we go. It's actually in the second epistle of Paul to Timothy, his second letter. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So we have to keep that uh, in our center. We have to remember that, that, that God is always available and to have a sound mind and focus on the thought process of not the lies, but on the truth. Okay. Also, through all the things that Job went through. And that in Job 3, 20-21, he is lamenting his life and process. In Job 13, 14, and 15, I shared with you already that he actually considered his taking the own life. But when he puts that, it's in a form of a question. I take my flesh and my teeth and put my life in mine hands? Questioning. He didn't have that authority. But his mindset, he had a good mindset. Although all these things took his, uh, took his well-being and, and things away and he became depressed, but his mindset was still on God. He was not going to curse God. He was not going to take his own life, which his own wife told him he should do. And she abandoned him. She walked away from him in the midst of all this because now he didn't have possibly being that the book of Job is actually the first book of the Bible written. The first one that was actually transcribed, it's older than Genesis. So the order that it's in, uh, said in the Bible is a little contrary to what we see. So it's actually the first book written. So here we look at this. Maybe Job's wife was the first biblically recorded gold digger. I'm just saying. Okay. Ha uh, Yeah. So she was obviously only interested in the wealth and the property and the things that she had in his reputation, which now at this point in time, everything was lost to him. Nothing left. She even left and told him he ought to just lay down, kill himself and die. Satan tried to get him to do the same thing, but he rebuked both of them and he stayed focused on God, did not curse God from his deep depression. And in Job 42, if you go back to read that, oh my gosh. The counsel that Job's supposed friends came to give him was actually full of blame and pointing their finger and all the things that he must have done wrong and that, that God is cursing him and all the things that he, that he had to have done himself. And in Job 42, we will see that God actually spoke to his friends and said, you know what? Job prays over you, but you give him bad counsel. And he had them to bring things to Job 
and to uplift Job and to have him in his sacrificial prayer for them. Job was still praying for them in the midst of all these things. And we see at the end of Job that Job was blessed even greater than he was before. He did not give up on his faith. He did not curse God. He did not abandon his belief in God. And here's a really good verse that we should hold on to and remember for this. Job 23.10. But he knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. So we need to be faithful. God knew the way that Job was walking and that Job was faithful and that he was honest and true. And he blessed Job. And Job did come through like gold. And remember this, that anyone that knows anything about uh, metallurgy or any of things like that, the folks that do any of that, is that in order to extract gold from the funky ore and metals and things like that, it's got to be put through fire. It goes through horrendous fire. The dregs and all that are come to the top. And when you scoop that off, you're left with a fine gold. And then it can be poured off into the molds or ingots or whatever's there. And it's only the purest of the gold that's left. Just remember this, brothers and sisters, be encouraged, okay? This is all that my words are for is to encourage you, to uplift you. And here's the other thing that I was remiss in. I, I want you to try the Spirit. If the Holy Spirit tells you not to listen to me anymore, then, then that's good. I mean, that's okay. I, I don't mind that because the Holy Spirit led me here to honor God anyway. So I know that I speak the truth, and I'm doing it to honor God, and I'm doing it to exhort and lift you up. I invite anyone at all, anytime, and it doesn't have to be with me. It could be on your own. It could be with anyone trusted that's close to you. If you've never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I offer that opportunity to you. Take the opportunity. God asks us only a couple of things in return for everything he does. Believe in my son, Jesus Christ, that I gave to sacrifice for your sins and to be faithful. That's all he that's all he asks us for. The rest of it is we have to make an effort to it. But that's that's really all that he asks us to do in return for his blessings and his mercy. You have to remember this that the grace of God gets us many things that we don't deserve by any way, shape, or means. The way we treat each other, the way we treat animals and pets, you know, they're beneath us because they're not also like us. But remember this. Brothers and sisters, homo sapiens are members of the animal kingdom. And that's true. I learned that in sixth grade, biology 101. But we treat one another very darkly. And there are brothers and sisters that are members of a cultural Christianity organization that don't follow faithfully and they don't believe, but they call themselves Christians. And here's the difference that I'm going to share with you. They go to church only on Sunday. They won't go to prayer meeting. They don't. Um, they may or may not partake in the the communion. Um, they carry a Bible 
with them when they go to church and they hang out near other Christians and they think that it's going to rub off on them. They're not prayerful. They're not practicing. They don't get into the word. They don't have any knowledge of the word of God. Those are cultural Christians. Cultural Christians will also step down and surrender to being pointed at. Oh, they're a Christian. And then immediately what happens? They turn into Peter. I don't know, Jesus. I don't know God. I don't know what you're talking about. I went by the church. Oh, I was carrying the Bible for somebody else. They're ready to do that. Okay. That's a cultural Christian. They carry the Bible thinking that they're going to absorb it into their skin somehow if they carry it. They go by a church uh, once a week. If they attend, they'll go by it on their way to work. And they think that it's going to absorb into the system. Those are cultural Christians. Be careful of them because they don't tell truth. They don't know truth. They only exhibit so that they can get by. Okay? There is a profound difference in a faithful follower of God, a God-fearing Christian, and a cultural Christian. A profound difference. Brothers and sisters, be of strong courage. Be upright. Don't step down. Don't step aside and say, I'm sorry. God does not need us to defend him. He does not need us to apologize for him. He created all things. By him, all things consist. That is also in the word of God. Everything consists because he speaks it to be so. Brothers and sisters, I love you. I went overboard again. I can't help it. I get very excited about sharing the word. And this is the end today. But there are other platforms that are being uh, made available to uh, Android users can go to Google Podcasts. There's also Radio Public and Breaker. So that's very cool. And this is all done because of prayer. I didn't have any idea what I was going to do. Then this came about. And now there's three more platforms that have been added. Love you all. You have a blessed day. And a... <laughs> it's hard for me to keep it down, but I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll work on it. I'm trying not to get too lengthy. Have a great day.